Welcome back, everybody. My name's Tank, and this is episode 22 of the Back Lounge Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, this is my podcast. I am a touring guitar tech, for anybody that didn't know that. And I invite on artists, band members, other roadies, and anybody else, and we just have conversations about whatever. I try and keep this as casual as possible. I don't have questions prepped or anything like that. I just like to have people on and see where the conversation takes us. Now, if any of you are watching this on YouTube and I look kind of rough right now, it's because I am. Um, <laughs> I'm actually right now in the middle of packing to go on tour. And I just realized that I did not film the intro or outro to this episode yet. So we're going to do that really quick. Uh, tomorrow morning from when I'm filming this, I am flying out to New York City and meeting up with the band and crew from Powerwolf. I will be joining them on their first ever U.S. dates. That's going to be really cool, man. I mean, I think I might be one of the only Americans on that crew. So to be with them when they experience the U.S. for the first time is going to be really, really awesome, man. Uh, right off the bat, we're doing New York City, Montreal, and then Worcester. Um, and then they go back to Germany for some more of their own stuff. And then they come back and we do Dallas, Denver, San Francisco, Los Angeles, cool stops along the way, man. And I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this and go out there and guitar tech and work on some of those custom framuses, man. That's going to be really cool. But, uh, yeah, I, I am unfortunately a last minute packer for like everything I do. And I always feel stupid when I do this because, you know, I leave in, you know, less than, 16 hours and I'm still trying to pack and I haven't been on tour in so long that I'm realizing like, I don't know where these things are. And I had to dig around and find my passport a little while ago. So crazy, but I'm excited. But before I'm leaving for this tour, I wanted to get another podcast episode in. And uh, for this one, we have the first person that is returning to the podcast. Uh, Chris Harms from Lord of the Lost will be joining us once again. Now we had him on the podcast a while back. If I'm being honest off the top of my head, I can't remember. Although I did just find it while I'm doing this, uh, May of 2022. So it's been almost a year and a lot has happened for Lord of the Lost. The most recent thing that we saw is that they are one of the preliminary picks for Germany's entry into Eurovision this year, which is wild because I even admit to Chris in this, I was surprised they were picked because Germany always plays it super safe. I mean, we all followed electric Callboy last year when they were trying to get into Eurovision and they were not picked. So this is kind of a cool move for Germany to pick a band like Lord of the Lost to possibly represent them in Eurovision. And, uh, the preliminaries for that are on March 3rd, and um, the voting is for mostly German people, like they track the IPs and the phone numbers and stuff, but I know a lot of Germans listen to this, so make sure you get your vote in for the preliminaries for Eurovision. If it were my choice, and I'm not just saying that because Chris is on here, um, I'd vote Lord of the Lost all the way, man, so by the time this video comes out on YouTube there will be a link where you can go vote for this stuff and check it out. And then the preliminary show again is March 3rd, but Lord of the Lost also dropped a surprise studio album at the end of 2022 with like six days lead time. They were like, Hey, we have a new studio album coming out, which is wild because that's not how people do music marketing nowadays. And I bet a lot of people doubted it was going to work. Well, it worked. It went number one in Germany. 
On top of that, they did some tour dates with Iron Maiden recently, and they're also going back out with Iron Maiden. They got along so well that they got invited again. This was just a fun conversation. Chris is one of those really loose people that I'm just comfortable with, and we can talk about a lot of ridiculous things, which we did. We get off the rails quite a few times in this, but we do talk about some really cool stuff. So before we get this started... Uh, Just as a reminder, this podcast is available in video form on YouTube at my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash tank the tech. But if you want to listen to the audio, if you're in your car or at the gym or at home or something like that, it's available on Spotify, Apple, Google, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. This is available. So there are multiple ways you can do it. But with all that being said, let's just kick right into this one. Episode 22. I think it's 22. I am so disorganized today. Uh, We'll just say episode 22 of the Back Lounge podcast. The first artist returning to the podcast for a second time, the Lord, Chris Harms. How are you doing? Hello. Guten Abend. (laughs) Yeah, dude. My my, my German has probably progressed a little bit since I've talked to you last, even though I'm still not fluent, fluent, but... Um, yeah, you, you, we we never tried German, but we we will try that one day. But I'm I'm happy to be back, and it's an honor to be your first, uh, yeah, your first not one night stand. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's yeah. actually very nice. So it's cheers. And, and so. what's what's cool for this is like we we've already sat and talked to each other, so there's no awkward feeling each other out time. It's like we can just jump in and talk, and it'll it's this is fun, man. Um, yeah, it's actually, but I'm really good at reading and writing German now. It's I haven't had practice with with conversation yet because I haven't really been out. So the other day on Twitch, I was everybody was kind of like, well, you're going to practice when when you're out, you know, like Power Wolf and Electric Cowboy. And I was like, yeah, but they're from totally different places. And I bet I'm not going to understand either of them because. All right. You know, the the, the, the thing is, um, if you're not. Uh, growing up like in in the super little village somewhere in, I don't know, South Bavaria or like really far out and if you're like my generation or a little younger or a little older and so the the guys in power wolf and electric cowboy they're a little like around my age i think electric cowboy a little younger power wolf a little older but all those guys you know we all know how to speak like uh hochdeutsch you know, like the plain yeah plain plain german thing so and i talked to most of these guys so it's like uh yeah that's not gonna be an issue yeah. Okay. Cause there was the Twitch was like, there's probably some terms I was asked. They're like, do you know your, your insults or your swear words in German yet? And I was like, not really. And I think they told me one good insult, which I, I'm not going to say it to anybody cause I don't want to get slapped, but I learned uh Schweinehund the other day. And I was like, okay. I was like, what pig dog? And they're like, yeah, it's kind of like when somebody's being lazy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like, the term Schweinehund, pig dog, whatever, I actually never heard someone say it as an insult. Really? Or like, no, no, really not. Or like um, using it as an insult, but it's it's something, it's a common saying. If you are de- defeating your inner Schweinehund, your inner pig dog, that means that you stop procrastinating or you're you, you kind of jumping over your shadow or you're, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, yeah, come out of the closet and do really do things, you know, like it's, it's, it's like overcoming your, your inner, I don't know. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, like in, in like American English, I would say like, if I actually felt like doing something today, I'd say I'd stop being a bum and get up and go do something. It's kind yeah, of, to- totally yeah. that it's, it's, 
in German you call like you really say like you're you're defeating it. So you're you're saying or are you getting victory over it? So yeah. you say den, den, den inneren Schweinehund besiegen. That means like you know. Yeah, yeah. But 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 I never, never, ever, and maybe that's a regional thing. Never heard anyone saying, "You Schweinehund." Maybe maybe I took that wrong yeah. then, yeah. because I was like, "Well, I don't know if I'm going to call somebody that because I'll probably get slapped." I mean, this is going to be no. like, you know, when I'm out with the Powerwolf guys, they're they're having a lot of their normal crew out there. This is going to be yeah. one of those situations for me as a very outgoing, talkative person where I'm just going to have to keep my mouth shut and work because like they all know each <laughs> other and they don't know me at all. So it's like. But I, but I think, you know, like I, we just just met online these couple of times yeah. or like or like not right now from WhatsApp and sending back and forth messages or voice messages. So um, but I think you are a kind of person people can open up to very easily. I think you're very like approachable. And and open and nice, I think that's not going to be be a problem. Well, so. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, it's a funny thing to talk about on tour because when you you're obviously familiar, but when you tour with people, you get to know people's personalities really quick, and not everybody always vibes. I have been on tours where everybody gets along, but then I've been on other tours where there's certain people that don't vibe with each other. And oh yeah, I feel and, you. <laughs> and, and and I and I, we were talking about this one time on on Twitch, and somebody was like. Yeah, I, I was joking and I was like, there's usually one person on every tour that like everybody just has something against. And somebody was like, have you been ever have you ever been that person? And I was like, probably. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. Personalities just clash. Maybe yeah. if if you end up being a person, if you end up on tour and you think like, wow, this time there's not really the, this one person everyone <laughs> yeah. hates, then it might be you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's, oh man. But yeah, yeah. It, it's always interesting getting on a tour for the first time uh, with new people because there is a sense of like, you know, this will be the first time I've, I'm going out in, you know, since my daughter was born and getting a, a, around a bunch of people that know each other and stuff like that. There is a little anxiety with that where it's like that first day I'll probably be really feeling everybody out and stuff. But um, the thing that helps is that their tour manager is also uh, the the guy, Patrick, that handles uh, Heilung and uh, Elbeti. Mm -hmm. So I, I know him. So that'll be like my one person that I can at least go to right off the bat because I know him. But um it's it's gonna be fun, man. It's it's like their first time in the states ever. So like, they they were like, uh, we have a WhatsApp group thread going, and I know uh, one of them was like, yeah, you know, you got to take us to all the good food spots. And I was like, dude, when you're in New York, we're just gonna be eating bagels and pizza, dude. That's it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, uh, I, I I can't wait. So I like, um, I just told you before we started the stream, and I I don't want to make people said here but i actually said that we're coming to the yes us this year and we actually plan to come in april but we cannot do it this time not because of visa problems which we had last time but like it right now we we might just have been a little or our booker might just have been a little too late so we started planning the thing like half a year before or a little more and in this post-covid thing where like everyone's touring right now and you mm -hmm. can't get a bus you can't get a backline you you I mean, you know it better than I am. Yeah, I, just, I, I do. Then I, I'm just explaining it to people. It was hard to even get half of the venues which we would have needed to make the tour, you know, like to make it worth it. So mm -hmm. 
So what we're doing right now, we, and I can't promise anything, but we are trying to come next February to stay like the entire, like the whole February next year in the US. This is what we're working on right now. I can't tell you more right now, so the people out there, but yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, that oh, that'd be so awesome. February, man, you're you're gonna be coming at the coldest time of the year here. I mean, <laughs> I remember like um, the the first time and the only time we've been to the U.S. like a little road trip. It was 2014, so yeah, so it's gonna be 10 years after. Wow, that. yeah. We we did like three and a half weeks road trip, super small club, sometimes just 20 people showing up or no one or I don't know, mm-hmm. but it was it was one of the greatest experiences, and we. I think we started in Detroit. Oof. Yeah. It was like it was like snow. Yeah. And it was February or January and then we went like we went in in the shape of a fish like like this through yeah, the, yeah, okay. the country. So then we went through the Bible Belt to LA actually was like I don't know it was super nice. I, yeah. I could only say it in in degrees Celsius not in Fahrenheit but you you could be there with the shirt, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I'm we good, went I'm back. good with both. So I could translate yeah. if you know the Celsius. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it was like 20 Celsius. Okay, maybe. So that's like that's like 76 to 78 Fahrenheit. That's beautiful weather. Like that's it was really beautiful. Yeah. We were standing there with our feet in the ocean. And then we got back, and I think the last show, or like yeah, somehow the last show was uh, New York, uh, Brooklyn. And it was snow again and minus <laughs> yeah. mi- minus 10 Celsius. Uh, yeah. It was fucking crazy so, so yeah. we're uh the second show of this tour i'm about to do with power wolf is in montreal and the our tour manager just sent us the weather schedule negative 27 celsius and it's supposed to be uh 10 inches of snow which let's see an inch is two and a half centimeters so we're talking over 20 yeah. centimeters of snow yeah like it's gonna be <laughs> i'm bringing <laughs> my winter gear and but it's like there's some tours I, I, that- 10 10 inches is like that right 10 uh, 10 would be okay you, you you did get the joke oh but... oh sorry <laughs> i'm yeah. thinking too literal yeah, yeah. i get the joke i actually it's funny it's funny you say that i saw okay. i don't i've never t- talked about something like this on the podcast this is really wild news that i saw the other day i saw a news article that said <laughs> studies show that uh the average uh penis length has grown in the last 20 years yeah i i just posted that today <laughs> like how did they do this research and they're like well they just asked people i was like <laughs> but 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 the thing is if only the average penis size is growing what about people like me with an like over average size <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, is dude. it growing as well sometimes sometimes when i see these stories i'm just like which, which one of these scientists was like bored and was like we should study this next <laughs> or, maybe, or, or maybe he looked at himself every morning like <laughs> yeah wow yeah it's it seems to be bigger than yesterday night yeah there's there's an episode of south park from a few seasons ago that was like that where they're like men were so angry that they had like an average size penis that they convinced like the actual people that were in charge to be like oh yeah 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 yeah, we're gonna change the average size so everybody feels better about themselves (laughs) and and they were like like doing in school they were like doing the math and like trying to to prove yeah The, the TMI index. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Dude, it's so ridiculous, it's, it's, man. Yeah, it, it makes me think of the other episode where they get all, like, huge balls. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 like a hibbity hop. Then yeah. like, all right. we, my wife right. and I actually watched that the other day. <laughs> it's one of my favorite for, South Park for, for, for medicinal marijuana, and yeah, then he, yeah, yeah. he can't go can't go through the door. Yeah, he's like, all right, yeah, okay. And it's like the whole the whole episode was just a metaphor for like all these laws are dumb. Can we just legalize it everywhere already? Yeah, yeah, done yeah. With this? Like, dude, that's such, I mean, I it's it. so I funny. mean, I mean the, the, the social aspects of South Park or family guy or American dead or like Simpsons, which might've been one of the first yeah. who did that. Maybe not as hard as South Park, but my son, he's, he's 11 years old now. And he totally gets this kind of social criticism, humor, so and we just started watching Simpsons like a couple of months ago, and we're like going through all the season backwards now oh, because we, nice. we wanted to start with the newest ones. So now we're going back backwards, and it's so funny because you see like there's a child growing up on the brink of being of yeah an adult. You know, with eleven, it it kind of slowly begins. Mm -hmm. So 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 things change, and seeing that this weird kind of humor that they actually get it because yeah. some people don't get it for some people it's just a cartoon and they're like yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's like but if you actually like like get it it's 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 really like it's a lot of fun to to watch these things well, now we my my dad and i watched simpsons uh when i was a young kid and south park came out when i think i was about nine or ten and I remember when it first came out to me. How old are you now? I'm 35. I'll be 36 soon. Yeah. So, okay. So it came out, I think 1997 or six, it came out. And I remember when I first started watching it, we were those young kids that were just, you know, <laughs> they're saying dirty yeah. words, you know. But then as I got older and I watched the episodes again and stuff, I totally got everything. And I was like, wow, these guys have been doing this since they started, like the social commentary and the, like, you know, there are, there are times where we've, we've talked. I was like, I looked at my wife one day and I was like, how are they still getting away with some of this? And I think yeah, everybody yeah, has just true. gotten to the point where they're like, it's South Park. Like, yeah. you know, that's what it is. Like the latest episode that came out where they were, it was, they were making fun of Kanye West going off about Jewish people and stuff. I was just like, <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I, I haven't I, seen that yet, but, but I remember the ones about oh. the gay, the gay fish, but I, <laughs> yeah, fish I need to, but, um, <laughs> When Simpsons came out, it came out in Germany, I think one year later, it must have been 1991. Okay. And I wasn't allowed to watch TV at a certain time of the day. So because I sh should finish my homework and blah, blah, blah. And then in the evening, I, I was allowed to watch some things. But Simpsons all, always came like in the, some time in early afternoon. Mm -hmm. And my sister had a TV, my older sister had a TV in her room and she was, her school day was longer than mine. So I always sneaked in that room and it was a real old TV from my parents from the sixties or seventies, which was still black and white. Oh, so wow. I, I watched the Simpsons there for like one and a half years, always like without my mother knowing yeah. I watched it. And then we moved from this city back to Hamburg and we got this huge TV and uh, yeah, I was allowed to watch these things now and I put it on and I realized they're all yellow. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and you know, there was no internet back then or something where you can look things up or no stories and social media. It was yeah. like my, my only uh, entry to the world of the Simpsons was that, was that black and white TV. Yeah. And I didn't know they were yellow. Until I, we had this, yeah. So what was your reaction the first time you saw it in color? I I, I thought something was wrong with the TV. So I started to find the color settings. And, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, that's great. It's wild thinking back. Cause like, uh, you know, we were, uh, I was talking to my, my sister the other day about my sister's seven years younger than me. I feel like my generation is like the last one on that, uh, cusp of like when technology really changed. Cause I remember nobody had a cell phone. We all used home phones, the dial up internet, the huge giant tube TVs, like, yeah. It's crazy how much everything has progressed. And when I talk to people that are in like their early 20s and stuff now, I'm just like, you know, some YouTubers that I know very well, like, you know, like Nick Nocturnal is like 25. And when I talk to him about music, his frame of reference with a lot of metal he listens to is, um, you know, newer stuff. So uh, In Flames is one of my favorite personal bands. I've been listening to them since the 90s. So when Nick says the new in flames sounds like the old in flames to him, he's talking about like 2006, seven. And yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, wow. Sure. Like, you know, there's a whole de- decade and a half of music from them that you weren't even familiar with at all. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I, I remember that, like that things changed so quickly. I was, my last year in school was 1998, 1999. And I had like in 1998, uh, it was 12th grade. We have 13 grades until we like mm-hmm. when we finished school. Uh, I had this first mobile phone, a Siemens mobile phone with an LCD display that big. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly you you were, it was possible to write SMS, text messages with like, I don't know, 130 signs or something yeah. for uh, a price which would be like two or three dollars right now. Mm-hmm. And then Matrix came in 1998 1999 and in matrix neo has this nokia phone this banana thing you know mm-hmm. this it was like it, it opens like that it has this this slide thing to open it was like wow there was a future so i had this phone and from there it started to evolve so fast so yeah. i was like i was like one of the first generations who who learned how to write sms without watching the display to oh i was so good at that like yeah, get, I know to get what you're some saying. messages to, to someone else in the class. So we yeah. were like, well, and and I could like you know, on A is press one, B is press two. I was like, I could write like without any mistakes. Yeah, same. Because my first phone, I I got my first phone in two thousand and three. Because when I got a car, when I when I got my driver's license, my dad was like, I want you to have a phone. Uh, just in case something happens. But I remember phones back then. The big the big deal was rollover minutes. So if you didn't use all your minutes in a month, they'd roll over to the next month and you can use them more. But text messaging was more expensive than calling back then. It cost yeah, money yeah. every time yeah. you sent or received a text. And it's like the only game we had on there was that old school snake where you just use the two, four, six, yeah. and eight buttons to move it around. Like <laughs> Those were the days, man. <laughs> but, but you know, when, when you talk about this whole generation of music, it's so funny that the young kids now on the age of my son, as I said, he's 11, um, through certain movies and this whole retro thing, which kind of, uh, which kind of went from eighties to nineties to early two thousands now. So in in certain kind of I don't know TV series for ch- for children or movies or podcasts or, or YouTubers, they're using it. They're now all using the, this late nineties, early two thousands kind of music. So mm-hmm. my son just came to me was like, "Can we listen to some metal oldies?" It was like. What, what what do you mean by metal oldies? I was like, I show you, but you, you might don't know it. It, it, it might be too old. I was like, okay. <laughs> so he, he he gets we're in the car. He 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 takes my phone, go on Spotify, and then I hear 
cut my life into pieces. <laughs> I was like, and I was like, bro, that's an oldie th now. <laughs> th that was the music. I was like, okay, I never danced, but I was standing around, like standing at the like watching people dancing to all night. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and so, so we went through all these things and like for Slipknot album and Linkin Park, you know, Linkin Park oh. seems to be a, a huge thing, like the first album. Yeah. For it's a huge thing now for these 11 year old kids because some YouTubers use it. It was like, wow. Yep. So I showed him, hey, I made like an early 2000 and late 90s new metal playlist thing. You might find stuff there was like, yeah, that's all of the good, all of the good things there. It was like, wow. So, yeah, I mean, do, it's it's making a resurgence right now, like new metal especially. And um, I saw an article today that I was kind of offended by. Um, the uh, uh, an article came out that said, "Check out." And this is how I know I'm old because all these metal outlets are gearing it towards younger kids that have never heard these things. Uh, they were like, check out this collaboration that Limp Bizkit and Korn did in the 90s that was a total embarrassment rap battle. And they're talking about All in the Family from one of the Korn albums where Korn, uh, Jonathan Davis, and Fred Durst had that rap battle back and forth. I was yeah. like, embarrassing? That was like the gold standard of new metal when that came out. Like, yeah, that was and, huge. And, and, and what do they mean by embarrassing? Because yeah. it's like, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, t that's like... Man, we, we've been on such a nostalgia trip with music on Twitch lately, and it's like, you know, uh, Linkin Park has the 20-year anniversary of Meteora, and they just dropped that new song, and or that unreleased song. Um, but yeah, I mean, go back to that Hybrid Theory album, and I think on the last time I talked to you, you said the first time like you heard that self-titled Slipknot album. I mean, yeah, the, wow. the uh, LD, LD50 by Mudvayne when it came out. There was so oh, yeah. much wild stuff going on with music at the time that... Um, Right now, though, I will admit, right now when it comes to music, I kind of feel as though I, I did when I was like a teenager. Because there's so much new wild stuff coming out right now that I've been discovering where I'm like, the, the last couple of years of music releases have been so much fun. And there's so many bands. And a lot of that's to do with the internet, you know, because... Of course, yeah. You know, and, what, and, and I think that some people, some music acts, artists, they kind of really went down during the pandemic and they kind of stopped doing what they do. But I think for some it was, I don't want to say healthy, but they, they, they used it to, to be creative. And I think now we're seeing all this outcome because mm -hmm. some people were like so focused uh, and actually could do stuff they, they wouldn't have done. Yeah. So yeah, and it's great. Maybe, maybe maybe that's the thing. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of artists that I know that uh, you know when we got sent home from tour during the pandemic, there were so many people that found other things in music too. Like a, a guy that I had teched for that was a touring session guitar player for years, he ended up getting a publishing deal, and now he's just a songwriter in town. Like he went a completely different route from playing to songwriting, and um, you know the the internet has been wild for music discovery though in a lot of senses, not just for new stuff, but. Growing up in the U.S. As, as a teenager, we really only discovered European stuff if it was like a friend's older brother that was into that stuff just happened to order <laughs> from overseas. Like there's been stuff that we've checked out online that people are blown away when we watch stuff on Twitch. They're like, you never heard this? Like we we had a we had a Twitch stream the other day where we were checking out like hip hop and club stuff from Europe in the 90s and 80s and stuff. And there was something that came up. 
that people were like blown away that I'd never heard it. It was, they're like, this was a number one club hit in the nineties in like 50 Everywhere. different countries. But then we looked at the charts in the U S never made it to the U S. Yeah. But you know, th there are some, there are still some European superstars, which, which are barely known in the U S mm -hmm. I've read this interview once with Robbie Williams, not Robin Williams, Robbie Williams, yeah, yeah. who used to be a member of take that and take that one of the the biggest boy groups in europe they were never really big in in the us so when robbie williams dropped out of take that and he he was one of the first actually ex boy group solo artists that filled stadiums all over europe and he said that he could go to the us us on holiday no one would recognize him and it kind of changed a bit during the last years because of like internet you know and you know it, the whole uh, music is getting so more more and more global but he's like he's a superstar he was mm -hmm. one of the biggest here and still in america most people go like who so it's super interesting and i had had very very i had many interesting talks about like um also about like the typical sounds of american rock and metal music compared to european rock and metal music because there there are still some uh basic differences which are really hard to put in words because i just um i'm just in the middle of producing the new record of bisto blanco which is mm. uh yeah um alice cooper's daughter mm -hmm. calico and alice cooper's bass player chuck garrick and i just had them over in germany and we we were writing the whole album together and I, now i'm producing it and uh, both so great such great guys Calico's a little younger than me. Chuck is a little older than me. And yeah, they come from the US. I come from here. And we were able to kind of merge these powers and different kind of tastes into something really beautiful and powerful. And it was, I just, this is something I really missed during the pandemic, you know, like meeting people and talk music. Yeah. People from other countries. And now I feel like I'm, I'm blooming again. Yeah, that's that. that's amazing because it's it's during the pandemic, like I attribute a lot of my musical taste right now over the last few years to doing YouTube because, you know, um, I, I agree with you. There's a big like sonically, there is a big difference between American rock and metal music and metal rock and metal music. And I'm usually to a point now where I can hear something and be like that's American or European. And with certain sounds, I can usually nail the country because some certain Sometimes, countries have yeah. different sounds. But um, real quick, I want I was looking because I want to see if this blows you away. The song I was telling you about that I didn't know that everybody was shocked, uh, Insomnia by Faithless. Yeah, 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 of course, man. Wow. <laughs> Never made yeah. it here. I can get no <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. That singer sadly died a couple of months ago. I, I heard and, that, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, wow, it, it, Faithless was one of the, you know, Faithless was one of these bands, you listen to it on the radio and they're like, oh no, there's, there's another Eurodance thing going on with like full playback shows, but Faithless, they were a real band with like, they, they were doing all this stuff on stage with like lots of synthesizer, many people on stage was like, I've seen some, I don't know, MTV live stream things from long ago 
some live concerts that they actually showed on MTV. It was amazing. A little like IMX are doing that. You know, it's an electro band, but they are full band. They're doing all these things. Of course, there's always a computer or some kind of for, for basic stuff. But yeah, funny, didn't know that. So that must be one of these real huge yeah. Euro European hits that no but one really knows there. But. There are a lot of artists that were big in the US in the 90s that people didn't know were European. So one of the biggest songs that you hear at country shows is the Cotton Eye Joe by the Red. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're Swedish. Yeah, and pe like Americans go crazy to that. And then when you tell them that's a Swedish artist, they're like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah. But, 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 but funny that you say that because like when I talked to Kelly Cooper, when I when, had her in the studio, she kind of, I don't know, began singing that fit in bed, Cotton Eye. I was like... I know this song since I'm like a teenager, but could you explain the lyrics to me? Because I never looked it up. What is he saying? Was she's like, yeah, fit it and bam. I was like, fit, fit, for, for. and she was like, it's short for if it hadn't been for Cotton Nigel's. Okay, fit and fit and bit, fit and bit, <laughs> Cotton Nigel. Like, yeah. Was like, okay, fit and fit and bit. I was like, wow, dude. Like, and, and, the, <laughs> and I would have no problem with that because. There are like if you come to like the southwest area of the United States, like there are places in the U.S. where people have such thick accents that they talk like that. Where I'm like, I have yeah. no idea what you're trying to say right now. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are things that even I growing up, like I grew up in Chicago, and Chicago has an interesting dialect. Like we change a lot of things. We my accent has leveled out over the years, but where I grew up, a lot of people replace like the th sound. If I were to say the word there, it mm -hmm. would sound more like dare. Like we put a lot of yeah. D's in the place D, of THs D, and right. like you kind of have to get used to that. But um, oh, oh, sorry. Funny that you say that we we didn't start the US tour in Detroit. We haven't been there. We started in Chicago. Oh, OK. Yeah. Know, but, but but it's kind of the same. Detroit is a little more up north. Yeah, it's northeast to, to yeah to Toronto. Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Sorry. OK. Yeah. So it's, it's like could you could you pull off like a super hard Chicago accent right or now dial, dialect? Right now, I don't know if I can do it, but my wife has told me when I get really excited about something or get really fired up, it usually comes out more. But, uh, you know, right. there's, there's, I, I can't even do it off the top of my head anymore. Like, it's just gone. Like, moving down here has gotten used to it, but, or gotten rid of it. But it's usually when I get fired up or if I get excited or angry or yeah. something, it'll come back and it'll just come out and people are like, oh, yeah, we hear it. <laughs> you know, it's, so. Isn't that funny that, like, like the brain, does that that you're instantly being a child again so so these things just come out like that yeah and i think yeah. i think a, a dialect is part of that when you grew up in a yeah. certain kind of kind of well, area or something that's what i'm most interested about uh touring with german bands because uh we just had friends over this weekend um that one of uh it was my wife's best friend and her husband and her husband actually speaks german he's like half german and austrian his family speaks german and he was telling me about the different dialects of certain places. So he asked me, like, he goes, you know how to say, like, bye in German? And I was like, yeah, yeah. tschüss. And he's like, tschüss. yeah, well, there are certain areas that they don't even pronounce the S. They'll just go tschü. And I was like, yeah, they, what? Yeah, like, if, if you're in, uh, yeah, yeah, the area where um, electric coal will come from, they say mm. tschü. Yeah. Like, tschü. <laughs> and, and, and there are actually some... Re some regions where you don't say that if you'd say that it's super unpolite oh wow okay so like it or like when you're in bavaria and you're just going to a store and you're like hello like yeah. for hello 
and it's like especially when it's like older people working there they look at you like because what are they be, 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 they expect you to say grüß gott which means like greetings to god oh okay it was like And I I always try that. I, I when I'm in Bavaria, I go in a store and like hello, and then some really correct me like and and say like, I'm sorry, but I only react to Grüß Gott. Yeah, and Tschüss, tschüss uh, is actually it's hailing from northern Germany where I'm coming from. It's a very northern German thing to say actually. Yeah. I I is I assume a lot of the uh, German that Duolingo has been teaching me is more northern German, more proper kind of cuz I've I've used phrases I've learned on Duolingo and a lot of my German friends that I have now would be like, "Ah, we would we just simplify it and say it this way." And I'd be like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, sure. Yeah. But... No, like 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 the the central of like let's say neutral German is in Hanover, which is not far away from Hamburg. So mm -hmm. this is where people speak not really without a dialect, but but mostly dialect free. And from there it's it's spreading all out and <laughs> different different dialects. One of the weird things that I learned from my European friends is like so when when Americans greet each other, it's not very simple. It's like if I were going to a store, like if I walked into a gas station by my house, I wouldn't just say hi or hello or anything like that. A very common greeting is like, hey, how's it going? Hey, how are you doing? Mm. And my European friends are like, that's really weird because for mm. us, we would like we would take that literal and we'd start a conversation. And be like, yeah, oh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. But for us, it's just like, hey, how's it going? And that's that's the greeting. Like, but but, I, but I'm still doing that. And it's it's still confusing people. I can't get it out of my system. People come to me. Hey, how you doing? And I'm like, yeah, good. Yesterday, not so much. But then people are like. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So like, but but sometimes you know, especially Americans, they sometimes it's, it feels like they're really overdoing it. Well, when, when you're at the restaurant and then like, it's how's it going? What whatever you're saying, it's like, yeah, you got it, champ. Okay, <laughs> yeah, sweetie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So it's like you're you're not you're not getting out of of this wheel of of polite phrases, which are meant in the comforting way but as a yeah. european especially as a german especially as a northern german which are kind of reserved it's weird because you're always like is, is this person my best friend or so if you're, you're trying to be polite and keep up with it yeah and for some for someone like me with with my resting chris face it's uh <laughs> it's, it's 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 not that easy yeah so it's like i, the, I mean there's I'm curious to see if I if I personally do anything when we're on the road uh, that they don't get. Like one of the common things for me is if I'm saying thank you to somebody. Um, it's a common American phrase, but you'd say I appreciate it. But instead of saying I appreciate it, you just say appreciate it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like so I'm like curious if I say that to somebody, they're gonna be like, what did he just say? Like, with, with English people, I I had to learn very early to kind of get the 100 different meanings of the word cheers <laughs> yeah because like because I, everything's cheers and um so it's so goodbye hello uh if if you're yeah doing that with a drink or or thank you or you know so many things are cheers and, yeah i i have a lot but, of friends in the u.s that do that too like i had a right. lighting i had a lighting director on a tour that Anytime he'd acknowledge you, like if you, if you do something for him, if he asks you to pass him something at dinner or anything, it's like, yeah, here you go. I'd be like, oh, cheers. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, 
It's like you can it's you can always tell when an American travels abroad for the first time because they'll come back to the U.S. and they'll, they'll they'll repeatedly say things that they heard overseas. So usually when you hear an American that says cheers all the time, they went to England for a little bit and came back and they're trying to overdo it. <laughs> I, I think it's like in, in the on the whole Iron Maiden tour, it was like the, the most used word for thank you. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they're, well, they're that would make Bri- sense. Yeah, they're, they're, would... they're all British, so yeah, it's that like makes sense. It's, it's 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 a lot of cheers. And when I was uh, now I know it, but but when I went on a tour in England for the first time, I think it was two thousand six, and I didn't know that. And I always thought like people would go like, you know, yeah, cheers. <laughs> What's yeah. <it>? Why? <laughs> Where's <laughs> yeah. that coming from? It's like yeah. cheers, buddy. Uh, and I was was like, do I need a glass for that now or? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's most of the time in the U S that's what cheers would be. You only ever hear that if you're doing a toast or you're at a bar, it's like, Hey, cheers, you know, cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many different things that I hear all the time from so many different places and it's language is just such a cool thing to me. Like the more I learn about different people's languages and like, I made the mistake of thinking that, um, cause I didn't know how diverse German was when I first started learning it. So yeah. when we're on Twitch and we've checked out uh, like Austrian bands and stuff like that, I'd be like, well, they <laughs> speak German. I'll, I'll be yeah, able yeah, to, no, no. Uh, I was like, they speak German, right? I'll be able to understand this. And the Germans in chat are like, dude, we don't understand them. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, 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 that's the thing. So Austrian German and also Swiss German, and I'm not, I'm not speaking about like that. There's, there's, Swiss German and there's Swiss German. One of them is a real different language. The mm-hmm. other one is just like German, which yeah, which is more like a hard dialect. Um, they also have like different grammar, some words that we do not have, and sometimes even different grammar rules, different use of articles and stuff. So it's like um learning that, like real actual Austrian German, it's really not easy. It's yeah. on first sight for us Germans, when I'm I'm from the north. So when I hear people from Switzerland or Austria, it's easy to mix it up with just um, South German, uh, like like Bavarian people, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not the same. So if you dive into, you realize something way else. It's like, you know, you think like, especially ma- maybe as American, America is so big. And when you hear about China, that they have like 1000 dialects and they don't understand each other. It's mm-hmm. like comprehensible because the country is so big. If you look yeah. at Germany on the map, it's a real small country compared to the U.S. And I don't think, I don't know. It's, it's half the size of Texas, maybe. Yeah. And then you hear like we have so many many dialects that maybe some people don't even really understand each other when they're talking the dialect. It might be hard to understand. Yeah, but, I mean, it's like that. It's yeah. it's noticeable for me even when somebody's speaking English. Like, so I could tell the difference. For example, having a conversation with you, how you speak in English. If I were yeah. to talk to uh, somebody in like Feuerschwanz, for example, because they're yeah. from down south their their accent is completely different and yeah, well i i can speak in this kind of uh <laughs> in, in, in this kind of uh, uh accent with the dialect as well right yeah so, but, yeah, um, but you, you know sometimes it's even like uh, i talked to a guy from london he says like london is so big they have like different dialects yeah. around london so yeah i mean i made i i made the mistake too of thinking um that anything can be translated literally. And I learned very fast with German that that's not the case. Like if you lit, if you did a literal translation to English, 
way different. So I made the dumbest mistake ever. We were checking out an Austrian band and the name of the song was Klosvata. And in my head from learning on Duolingo, I was like, close. Okay. That could mean big. It could mean tall. And then I started thinking about it and I looked, I, I looked at, I looked at the chat and I was like, are they, is this song called big daddy? And they're like, it's grandfather. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Okay. All right, big daddy. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> but in my head, I see the word close and I'm just like big, like that's the first thing that comes into my head, but there's so many meanings now that it's like, yeah, yeah I've learned to not look at it literal. Um, you you just brought up a minute ago. I want to go back to this. Uh, the Iron Maiden tours. Now I I know you guys have more dates coming up with them, but you've already done a bunch of shows with them before too. How was that experience for you? Man, it was like I I don't know where to start. First of I first of all I just want to say, um, being asked being asked by, by Iron Maiden to go on tour with them, it's one of the craziest things to happen. But being asked a second time. It, that that's even crazier because it means obviously we didn't fuck it up yeah and obviously the people liked it obviously the band liked it so um i'll try to make the short so i'm just like telling one of the most important moments we we got on tour um the first date was in damn it was somewhere well, didn't you miss one of the first dates too? Because the no, bus no, broke no. down. No, 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 no. We we nearly missed something in the middle, but but it was like we we started. It wasn't. It, it was one of the. It, it, I'm struggling to say that because it's one of the ex-Yugoslavian countries, and if I'm mixing that up now the okay. wrong way, yeah. people will be really. I, I, I so, get. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so so I keep it like that. It was at one of the ex-Yugoslavian countries. We went there. On the first day, we 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 did not see anyone from the Iron Maiden guys because it was their first show after the pandemic as well. So they really were focusing on their thing. But we didn't know that. We thought like, okay, they would just like stay for themselves all the time. We were fine. We were like, okay, that's Iron Maiden. We're just, you know, a small band. So we played the first show. I, I nearly broke all my bones on stage. I had like a really bad incident, but nothing really happened. So everyone, every, every everything was fine. But I nearly, I nearly finished the tour on that first date because I fell so hard on stage. So oh, man. Th then we had the second date and we played the first song. And at the, in the middle of the first song, I looked at the right and the stage on the side, they had like borders like this. So you don't see like the monitor desks and stuff. Yeah. And it was like, like, like stage construction things. And I saw like half of a hat here. And I was like, that's Steve Harris. You can see him by the hair. Yeah. He was there. And I looked at him and he was just like doing that. Like, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on? So <laughs> I, I I kept on playing and I was always like looking to the right side. And he didn't, he didn't go away. After three songs, he was still there. And then sometimes, <laughs> sometimes while while we were like playing, I saw this. <laughs> And filming the audience, filming us again was like. Yeah. Then I looked to the left side, and I saw a beautiful smile and someone doing. There was Nico McBrain watching from the other side. It was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? And so I met Steve after the show, and from that day on, we were talking every day. We every day we had our like fifteen min fifteen minutes after the show talk. 
then sometimes before the show, then we met other uh, guys from the band. Uh, our drummer Nick and uh, Nico got really like into talking, and these people so humble, so approachable, so nice. Wow! Yeah. Like I, I said this in a million interviews now, but I need to repeat it. Um, no hardcore Iron Maiden fan would ever be disappointed. They are exactly the way you want them to be and even better it's it was just mind-blowing how nice these people were and um another funny anecdote um the biography of bruce dickinson is called what does this button do yeah and it was the first thing that i started reading after we got booked on the tour because i was like okay i want to be prepared so i i got a lot of stuff of course, I knew Iron Maiden, I knew like some albums and many songs, but I I didn't know like everything and I yeah. wanted to know everything. So I got into this biography and then you find out why Bruce is the way he is, like being a pilot, being uh, like doing fencing, doing motivational speeches and all these things. He's like, he's living a life of 1000 men, all the things he's he's doing. And the first time I met him on this tour, it was some the, somewhere between the catering area and the backstage area. He was repairing a door. <laughs> Boy, was like, like, just a like door? A, yeah, just a door. Some door was like, it didn't go. She was like, oh, oh, man, what the fuck? Was, <laughs> because there was some issue with some door. And he was, he's Bruce Dickinson. He, he could be like, can someone bring me 100 doors, please? Yeah, yeah. But, but he's not like that. He's like, what does this button do? He sees the door. It doesn't work. He He's just... He's just fixing it. And it's it was amazing. like it was like so impressive. And I was like, wow, this man is such an inspiration. You can be like one of the biggest rock stars in the universe, but you still, if you see a door backstage which doesn't work, you don't do that. You just go there and try to fix it. I mean, that is so amazing to hear, man, because my time in the music industry, I've I've met a lot of artists that are the opposite, like you said. It's like they want something done, they snap their fingers. They're not watching bands on from the side of the stage. Like when you said that, when you said you noticed like Steve Harris was still there after three songs, I was like, that that's a long time for a band member to watch another band because a lot of the times band members will go check out a song or two and then go back to what they were doing. I'm like, no, from from day okay. two he watched he watched nearly every show from that's, start to end. That's amazing. Like that's so cool. And artists that are that big. There's a reason that they're that big and they've had that long of a career is because they are yeah. like that. Like, I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, I mean, he's the, the biggest U.S. country artist ever. But do you know who Garth Brooks is? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we did we did some shows with Garth Brooks once, and t even to me, who's been around a lot of people, I was like, wow, like this is going to be wild because it's Garth Brooks. We show up and. Um, their crew was very, very cool, but was like, you know, kind of stay out of the way until Garth and his band are done with sound check. And then you can go up and set up and they finished, but Garth was still on stage and he plays with a headset microphone. So he's got his headset on, he's playing his acoustic and he's just walking up and down the stage at sound check and his guitar tech goes, y you can go up there and start setting up now. And I was like, really, I don't want to get in his way or anything. He's like, no, 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 he won't care. Go ahead. So I go up and I place, place my singer's mic stand and I start putting his guitar pedals down and I, Garth is a foot away from me and I was kind of nervous and I dropped a handful of guitar picks when I was trying to put him on the pick holder. He stops what he's doing immediately, comes over and picks them all up for me. And he's like, oh, here you go, man. He's like, hey, I'm Garth, by the way. And I was just like, 
what? I know. Like, <laughs> like, 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 but like he literally stopped what he was doing to pick up something I dropped. And then while we were sound checking, he came up and introduced himself to every member of not only the band, but our crew. And then that night he had dinner with us in catering. And I'm like, this is wild. And that was one of the moments I realized is like, that's why this guy has this big of a career is because he treats everybody around him with that much respect and kindness. Cat. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, he, people, people listening on Spotify are not going to know what's going on. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's more, he's up. more of a, more of a parrot. He's always like <laughs> sitting on my shoulder. Yeah. But you know, um, I think people like artists that become that big are either like that cool mm-hmm. or like, like real assholes. Yes. I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to really tell any names. We were talking about this one rap artist earlier, you know, but <laughs> and some, and there are some which are, and I have made the experience some, oh no, how should I say? Like, like when I met, met like real big artists, they were either like the way Iron Maiden was, Iron Maiden were, or like real assholes. But I think there's not, I never met something in between, like someone who was just okay. Yeah, <laughs> they were either yeah. like that good or what the fuck? You know? Yeah, I agree with that. Like in my experience too, I totally agree with that. You either get somebody that's very full of themselves and acts like a diva, or you get somebody that is just the nicest, most down to earth kind person. Um, yeah. It's I'm, I'm glad to hear that you guys said you got asked back out and that they, you got along with them so well, because a couple episodes ago on the podcast, I had one of my friends, one of my American friends that uh, uh, tours, he worked for uh, Within Temptation when they did dates with Iron Maiden. Yeah. And he he told me that um, I guess whoever was before them or a couple bands before them as the opener before they joined, uh, their crew did not get along with the Iron Maiden crew. And I was like, oh, I hope it wasn't Lord of the Lost. And now I know it wasn't. (laughs) No, actually, actually, like uh, we we met uh, within Temptation on this tour once. We played one concert together. So it was like two support bands. It was us, then Within Temptation, then Iron Maiden. And uh, also the the Within Temptation crew was like teamwork from the very first Mm -hmm. minute. Because even if it was a stadium, uh, the backstage area where we had like place to set everything up, it was was not that big. So both of our crews had to get along and work together. And yeah, the, the Within Temptation crew, they just came there. They're the bigger band and, you know, so they came to our crew and were like, hey, come on, guys, let's make a plan so we can like work all together. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. What's what's your name? What's your name? Let's do it like that. So they were like, wow. Yeah. So just one, because they really had just one area where they had to set up everything together it was real, real nice. So I also, within temptation, I can only say nice things. Yeah. I had, um, Sharon had her dressing room right beside our dressing room. And and we were talking, and like for quite a long time, and she, she checked us out. She liked us a lot. And a couple of weeks later, we met again at Summer Breeze Open Air, and then she on stage said like, "Hey, next," because we had this this deadliner slot in the middle of the night, you know. Mm-hmm. So after within temptation, he said like, "Hey guys, don't go home. No, there's a great band coming, Lord of the Lost," and was like. Wow. Oh, so also, nice. also within temptation, great crew, great band. I can only say nice things. And yeah, yeah, my buddy that was out with them was the only American in their crew. Um, and he said, uh, he got along with them so well that they, 
they offered to like bring him over to their European dates too, but he already has another full-time gig here where he's working with another artist. But I'm, yeah. I'm really, I'm really curious just because uh, you guys have such a diverse sound with a lot of your stuff. When you're playing a show with somebody like Iron Maiden, um, what, what kind of planning goes into your set list? Like, do you really think about it a lot? Like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to have a different crowd. Like what's your process with that? Cause I imagine you probably changed up a lot of stuff. Yeah, we're like what we never do is we are we are never changing the sound of a song. We're just picking different songs because yeah. I I never want to try to kind of like oh now we're playing with like a band which is much harder so let's let's change change our sound for the band or the visuals or whatever. We're not doing that. We just because we are so diverse, we just have to pick stuff. So obviously, when you play for Iron Maiden, and last year we played thirty or forty minutes depending on if there was a second band or not. Or a third band or not, sorry. Um, because sometimes it was two support bands. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we didn't play any ballads. And um, I tried not to play songs which are like, where the parts are like too complex. I mean, we're not Miss Sugar, you know, but yeah. some some songs that we have are, in our world, a little more complex. So we, we know Iron Maiden fans, there are a lot about melody because mm -hmm. Iron Maiden, is, that's not not hard you know it's 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 the core of british heavy metal but the band itself it's it's not it's not a super hard sound so when i'm starting to do all these screamo things and sometimes growling it's so much harder than iron maiden fans would like it or would be able to digest it maybe so we were trying to keep things melodic because they like big melodies they yeah. like big choruses and all these things and um, so we had the set list and then we come back to Steve Harris after a couple of shows. I was like, Hey Steve, can I ask you, how do you like our set list? Do you think it fits its purpose? And he said, yes, most of it I really like, but this one song that you're playing in the end, we were playing this Samba metal tune called La Bomba, which we have. He was like, I didn't get the song at first, but then I checked it out, and now I understand why it's it's a cool song, and it might work for you with headliner shows and people that know you and get your kind of humor and that you're not too serious about yourselves. But if you see Lord of Lost for the first time, that's the last song you play, you want people to go home or to go into the Iron Maiden show with a big melody, with something, you know, with more yeah. pathos, pathos to it. So... I was like, yeah, that's right. I didn't think about that. I, I thought like maybe we give them like a lot of energy and fun in the end. It was like, no, give them, give them that melody. And it was like, do you have a song in mind? And he said, yeah, try, try on this rock. I will build my church. One of our songs. Try to play this in the in the end. And he always said, you know, what do I know? It was like Steve. Yeah, what <laughs> yeah, do you... yeah. He's trying to be humble. <laughs> Steve, what do you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, look at what you have done. Look at what you have achieved over the years. So what do you know? There's your answer. So thank you very much for the advice. So we changed the set on the next um, on the next gig and was so much better. Yeah. So, and now this time, uh, I just finished the Iron Maiden set list for this year. I just finished it yesterday and it took me one week to I, uh, because I need I mean, not not eight hours a week every day, but yeah. I start, I put it in a playlist and I listen to it all the time when I'm doing like, housework or in the car like oh no this song doesn't work let's put another one in and then trying to you know have the right order and then also keep in mind 
uh, we have two different guitar tunings. We have drop C and drop A. And I don't mm -hmm. want the guys to change all the time because I want an Iron Maiden show to be a monologue, not a dialogue. People get sound the whole time. And when the show is over, they can decide if they like us or not. I'm not doing any announcements. There's not more than two seconds of break between the songs. So it all needs to go like that. They don't even have a chance to say, go home. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then you have like two great songs in it, which are kind of like the same feeling. You're like, no, that doesn't work. We need a different one. So, yeah. So that takes me a while. Yeah. And of course, if we were supporting, let's say, Behemoth, then, <laughs> then we were like, maybe three or four of the songs would be the same, like with Iron Maiden. Obviously, one some of our biggest hits that need to be played, but everything around it, I would try to go for like, okay, let's look at what's the hardest songs we, that we have. Yeah. So otherwise, otherwise, Behemoth fans will be like, uh, no. Have you guys ever no. played with Behemoth? Uh, no, not... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that would only, be... <laughs> we were like... We, we we played a festival in France uh, this year in summer. We were playing at the same time at different stages. And okay. I'm, at, I'm at Nagal shortly before the show. But no, we never played with them. We 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 were close to playing with them once. Yeah, I imagine that would be... That would be... Even even for a lot of metalheads, that would be a, a drastic contrast. I yeah, mean, but, it's but, like... But, but, I, but I still totally would do it because we have yeah. like... When we play like... I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes. We we have enough songs which are like hard enough for people to go like, okay, might be interesting. And you know, yeah. I love I love contrast. It's nothing I would say no to. Yeah. But I don't really know. I don't really know the typical behemoth fan if they're like, are they very much bound to the the trueness of metal? <laughs> or I mean, you know it, it's a difficult question because like like me, for example. I like Behemoth, but I wouldn't consider myself a stereotypical metalhead either. It's like uh, I know, like I Behemoth as well. Yeah, so, like yeah. I think when you think of the 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 stereotypical metalhead, like the old school metalhead, it's kind of gatekeepy. It's kind of like you know we want everything fast and heavy, and you know the big debate right now is tracks in the music industry and old school metalheads are like tracks are bullshit because they don't understand how they actually work. And I mean, I love that you just brought up contrast with shows because I love that. I love when I go to a show and there's different artists. Like too, yeah. I recently went to uh, uh, see Lorna Shore uh, mm -hmm. a couple months ago in town and it was a five band bill. And even for me, I'm like five bands is too much sometimes. Yeah, but, but that's always with the with yeah. like with the real metal bands that always have like. <laughs> 70 bands yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but the, it was one of the first times i'd seen a show in a while where and i caught the whole show every band i was there for the whole time and after about the third band i was like this is too much like this is kind of yeah. punishing because every band it was lorna shore aborted uh who else i know angel maker of sulfur and ingested so you got a couple you know European deathcore bands and then American and Canadian. And it's like, but, it, but, but it's all core and breakdown. Dude, and... it was too much. It was too much. Yeah, I get <laughs> like it. I get it. by the time Lorna Shore started, who I really wanted to see, I was like, dude, I've already heard like 18 face pummeling breakdowns yeah. already. And I'm like, you know, that's why um, I, I, sorry guys. I've heard every possible distorted voice that could 
ever exist. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I will say I enjoyed it. I like all those bands, but in a certain at a, at a certain point, it's just like I want more diversity to live show with the artists and what I'm getting. Um, you know, I saw uh, Sabaton a few months back too. And it's like, they had Epica with them. And that's like a good blend, even though they're both considered in that power metal realm. It's like, you know, you yeah, got Epica it's, it's who's different. way more symphonic and it was, it was a cool blend. Um, but yeah, it's after a while, it just gets like too much when it's the same thing. And I got to imagine, you know, cause Iron Maiden is asking you guys back out. You're going to be doing those. They wouldn't do that if the crowd didn't no, receive no. you well but like how how was that initial reaction like with you guys in comparison to iron maiden like what was the crowd like your first few shows the, the crowd was was real good you know like it's it's of course it got better mm-hmm. through through the dates because these this first row maybe like 300 people not being there for every concert but many of them being at every concert and you see them again yeah and 300 people is like a small club filled with people mm-hmm. this is like the maiden first row they come in earlier and so sometimes they were already there when we sound checked so they kind of got a got to know us over time and we played 18 shows with maiden in 16 countries and so of course like at the last date, it was better than in the beginning, but it didn't start off bad, not at all. Yeah. Because for every concert, every concert after like 50, 60, at latest 70% of the set, when I did like clap your hands, make some noise, all these kind of things, the the arms of the people went up until the front of house, you know, well, for the other for the listeners here. Where, where the guy with the mixing console is, the sound guy, and behind that. And that's always like a good mirror yeah. of what's happening. So when you're doing the thing and like, you know, people until that point where actually the people are the, that want to party and not just want to watch, mm-hmm. if hands go up, everything's fine. It was real, real, real good because it was like that all the time, of course. At every concert, you had like this typical three to ten people standing in the front row over the barrier, just, just watching arms like crossed. that, or like or like putting the hood over their their um, head and like like not watching or even turning around. Yeah. But it was always just like a little less or a little more than just a handful of people. Yeah, and um, and you get that at any kind of show. You yeah, always get the yeah, people yeah. that are just there for one band that aren't open enough to hear anybody else. They just want to support that one band. No, no, you get that. And what's like, as I said, I, I talked to Steve then like nearly every night and always asked him about the reaction. And we always like, we, he was always like, no, no, that was, that was real good. And when I was like, yeah, but today it was a little, a little colder than yesterday. Then he said like, yeah, but don't forget we are in, in city, x i don't gonna say a name here but we are in city x it's a little different than city y where Mm -hmm. we played yesterday so and because you can compare these kind of things you know that some cities some countries people are hotter or colder you know the whole reaction can be different and so he was always and and steve is, is brutally honest with things which i like about him a lot he just tells you hey this is not gonna work and he tells you in a respectful manner so it was always really good to talk to him to see how we're doing. And um, yeah, when the tour was over 
for us uh, because they were yeah that was going on they went to the us and did the whole thing with uh, trivium as a support band and yeah. then uh, within temptation again um they he already said and also the management already said hey l- let's do that again we don't know when exactly but watch out we're gonna we're gonna contact you so we were just waiting and of course nothing happened for a couple of months and we knew we because we knew they were asking us but after a couple of months you start like doubting it because yeah. you know the the inner child in yourself is like ah, when is this happening and then like i don't know and i think in september or or october october maybe there was a mail from our booking agents like hey there was a he was he just called me was like i got the mail from england it was like ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, okay that's awesome. It's funny what you said about the cities, though, because even even in the U.S., regardless of what genre I'm touring with, there are certain cities that if I see them on our schedule, I'm like, that show's not going to be that good. Because yeah. we, we can we we know when we're going into a certain city in the states how that crowd is going to be. Like, I mean, that, that's actually one thing that I can say because uh, it's it's something which might be common for most like 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 big cities like capital cities. Like if you compare like Berlin or London, maybe it's kind of like the same Berlin, London can be a little colder and people start to party much later, which is logical because when you are living in a city like like London or Berlin, and I don't know, you you want whatever kind of party at whatever kind of weekday, you Mm -hmm. will find it. Yeah. So people are more used to like, you know, okay, it's like having Netflix just for concerts, you know, you just (laughs) go like, oh yeah, oh yeah, cool. But when you're living in the middle of nowhere and you come there and play, it's like people don't even have a TV. And they're like, yeah, <gasps> there's a movie tonight. Let's go. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're like, what? So yeah. I, I totally get that. So my experience is like the bigger the city is actually, or the the, the more metropolitan the city is, the colder the audience is. Yep. I don't want to piss anyone off here. It's just a mass movement kind of thing. Yeah. No, which, I mean, which, dude- which happens there. I, I live in Nashville and I will tell you right now, Nashville is one of the worst cities for crowds in the United States because there's so yeah. much music here. Everybody's it's, oversaturated. It's, it's only, it's only music there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so when a show does come through and so many tours are skipping Nashville right now, like every tour announcement I'm seeing, it's like, they'll get to Atlanta, which is like four hours away or maybe Indianapolis, which is like five hours North, but everybody's skipping Nashville. And I'm like, I'm not surprised like, um, but man, one of the things I've been really excited to, uh, to talk to you about, well, two things really one, congratulations on basically surprise releasing a number one album. That was insane. When I saw that happen, um, it was for, for anybody that's listening that doesn't know, I imagine most people would, but, uh, your last studio album dropped right before the new year's, I think December 30th. And it yeah. was essentially what a week of promotion at most six, six days. We yeah. uh, we released the the date on December twenty fourth, which is mm-hmm. the day where we celebrate celebrate Christmas in Germany. We're mm-hmm. not doing it on twenty fifth. We're already doing twenty fourth. And I thought like there were two reasons for doing that. First of all, I wanted to go back to this magic in music. Like you only know one song for a couple of days, and then you go to your store get the album you're like oh, wow and even if you stream it you you're not like so oversaturated by like listening to half of the album with because 
all of them had been singles mm -hmm. for half a year and all the magic is gone. And the second thing was, I thought if you announced it at Christmas, Christmas Eve, you either have people that are really super happy with their families and you can, I don't know, totally make their day and make them even happier. And of course, they will spend all the Christmas money <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the thing. Uh, so I'm not going to lie about that. But on the other side, you have people which are super depressive. Like in Germany, I think uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's is like the number one suicide day. It's it's the same over here. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I was like, what about all these people? And we are getting like hundreds, thousands of mails and messages a year about people that say, hey, your music saved my life. I thought like, what about saving some lives? Yeah. <laughs> so people are at home. And you just give them a new song and they know in six days there's going to be an album. It, it it sounds so so stupid to say that, but maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe you get that sign like, no, I'm not going to kill myself today. I'm going to wait for that yeah, record yeah. and maybe give them some hope, you know? Yeah. And music, music right now, I've seen more people be open about how they feel and talk about music like that than I ever have. I mean, there's, it could be anything. It, it, it could be any style of music. I've seen people say like that new Lorna Shore album that they released. Like people are like this literally because if you dive into a lot, even even metal, people that don't like metal dismiss it as just being angry, emotionless music. And if you really dive into a lot of these metal bands, there is so much more emotion in that than anything oh, else. Yeah. And if you can connect to that, I mean, there have been music videos I have watched this year on my channel where I have been in tears. Because I'm like, this, I just, and sometimes it's not something you would expect. You just hear something that connects with you in a certain kind of way and it, it just hits you. And what you guys did with your album, I got to admit, I, I, it made me feel like a kid because yeah. the problem. A exactly that. Exactly like, that. The, the problem with music right now is kind of what you touched on is especially with labels that want to push nonstop music videos because they want to keep people because people's attention spans right now are horrible. Um, you know, like you said, when we were kids, you might get a single and then you wait for the album to come out. You get all excited and you take it home and then you listen to the whole thing. And you, you know, wait all day on MTV for that single. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, I, I had back when I was a teenager, I had a VCR in my room. And when I first got that VCR, I would watch MTV two all day and wait for the music video Record. I wanted be like, go of course. like, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I get doing YouTube stuff and working with artists. I get emails all the time where people will send me advanced copies of the album. And they're like, here, you can listen to it. They think it's cool. They're like, you can listen to it before anybody else. And I was like, I don't listen to them. I like the anticipation of a record release day. And finally it's out. You sit with it. You listen to it. Like, I love that. And I hate to use these guys as an example because I love them. But Electric Cowboy, their last album that just came out seven singles. There were three single, there were three songs on that CD when it came out that nobody heard yet. So it's like, I know, I know, but I, I think in this case, I, I need to make an exception because they had okay. this whole singer change going on. And I don't know because I, I didn't ask them, but I think that they actually produced those songs bit by bit. I, don't I bet they did. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think they produced an album where like okay, come on, let's wait one and a half years or one year. Yeah, and let's let, let's let's just wait. It's I an think, excellent point. Yeah, I yeah. think they had the singer change and then like they put out a song and they kind of 
I, I'm just for you people out there for electric cowboy fans, I'm just assuming because I don't know it, but yeah. I would even go that far that maybe through all this uh uh pump it thing, then they kind of even found their way to go to even more mm -hmm. because they were like, Wow, that's just the stuff we want to do. Well I, so I mean you're 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 you are a producer and you have that mind, and now that you've put it that way, I actually think you're right. Because this is one of the situations, uh, one of the first situations where I've ever seen where like, you know, uh, Sebastian left the band, Nico came in and it was one of the first times where I was like, wow, I think this was, this was best for both parties because yeah, it was, it was so good. I, I love electric cowboy. I love ghost kid. Oh and yeah. They, they are both like, I don't know. It looks like they're blooming doing yeah. the thing. I, I'm loving that. It's and great. I, I often, I've uh, like Ghost Kid, Sebastian, uh, the Electric Cowboy fans might know him as Sushi, but uh, I, I talk to him rather normally on WhatsApp. And it's like the vibe I get from him is that him leaving Electric Cowboy has allowed him to really pursue the artistic stuff he wanted to. And then Nico coming into Electric Cowboy has really made them find their groove with that humorous metalcore. Absolutely. St stuff like that. And so now that you say that, because, yeah, we got Pump It way back and then, yeah. you know, we got the moves and stuff like that. But there is even though that is the case and it most likely is, there is still a sense, though, where it's like, yeah, yeah, it, there's I know. almost it's, it's, no, there's almost nothing new on the album to discover. You've heard it all already. No, no, no so, some of them like deliberately doing that. And that's the thing that most people out there don't know. And I'm not getting tired of telling it. You can only pitch your songs to Spotify playlists, which artists need nowadays to get the exposure. You can only pitch them. Pitching means like you give them to Spotify and someone decides if they put mm -hmm. in a playlist or not. You can only pitch those songs if the album is not out yet. Oh, I didn't know that. There I didn't even have, know that. Th that's the reason. So that's why they went from three months to four, five, six, sometimes seven months now. And they're putting out not two singles. They put out five, six, seven, because then those songs get pitched. Then the album comes. I get that okay. from, a from a marketing strategic point. I get that. But for us, for our last record, Judas, when the record came out after four or five months of marketing, we were tired. And yeah. we were like, our magic for the record was gone. And it, it doesn't mean that the magic is gone forever. I love that record and I'm super proud of it. But but for the moment, after like four or five months of that, I felt so, so dried out. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, the album comes, people can listen to it now. And I was just so happy that, that it was over. I was like, okay, now go away with marketing. And for Blood and Glitter, the album came out and we like, we are so pumped to promote it. For the whole year, we didn't even release vinyl yet. It's coming yeah. in March. We didn't release the big yearbook, which like has like 96 pages of booklet. It's coming in summer. We didn't release a music cassette. It's coming in fall. Therefore, we take all the marketing money. We don't put it in print or whatever. We just uh, shoot music videos. We're shooting a music video to each single song on the record yeah. after after the album is out. So we're doing it all differently. And everyone in the music business told us, don't do it. You're going to go down big time. We can't support that. All those, those pros said you're, it will, yeah, just don't do it. I, and then we, then we went on number one. Yeah. And now they're all, now I heard from five bands already and their labels that they're changing their marketing plans right now because of that. Dude, I, I when it, 
when I saw the numbers, when it came back, because I, I actually talked about this on Twitch. I was like, a lot of people were like, I, I know a lot of people in the industry were probably like, this is a dumb move. And I didn't ask because it's not my place, but I do know some of the people at Napalm. And I was so, I think I said it in my reaction to leave your hate in the comments. I was like, I would be so curious to know what people at Napalm actually think about six days lead time of releasing a record because that's not how people are doing things. But when I saw the numbers come back, I was like, they just did something. People are going to be doing can, this now. I can tell you, and I'm not going to piss anyone off at mm -hmm. Napalm. There, there are like many people working and some of them totally supported it, which were the people that understand me and the band more as artists and like could dive in into the whole vision of it and understood the whole thing. And then what, there were other people that are just about numbers and it's their job to be about numbers, yeah. not their, not their job to work with artists. And they were all like, no, it's not going to work. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So we, we had those both sides. And um, so, of course, it was a big discussion. And I always was like, guys, please just trust me. And they were like, no, we, we need that four months of marketing and like like uh, content every day. And then I just said like, yeah, then give us content for four months. We, we, we're not going to do any content because we want to do it differently. And I was like, please. Believe me, trust us. Maybe it's not going to be number one, but I'm sure, like, because I said, like, I'm sure, I was even sure it's not going to be top 20, but I told them, listen, isn't it about, like, when you just want numbers, one and a half years after re the release, you want to look back on how many albums have been sold. Mm -hmm. And the way we want to do it with, like, releasing so many music videos and getting out the different editions piece by piece and so on, and being on tours... I think one and a half years later, the album will be sold more or at least the, the exact same number than the other one. So, yeah. and they were like, okay, so this kind of changed their point of view because they were all just focusing on the first week of release. It's like, no, it's got, not going to sound that, that many. It was like, yeah, of course not. But you need to look on the long run. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... In the end, I was wrong. We we sold even more on that first week. So, but, yeah, I mean, so it's like, well, I'll go, it's, but, yeah. the thought process that you have is so fascinating and it's so interesting because what I've been thinking about uh, is um, like I worked I've worked on a couple records like as a production assistant in the studio. And when I think about how those albums were marketed, there's one specifically that I'll think of. Uh, I won't say what band it was, but. Like you said, it was that four or five months lead time to the album as they put everything into the album coming out music videos were out ahead of time singles were out ahead of time first week it was it was a number two overall like in the u.s which is huge the yeah, next it week it wasn't even on the charts because yeah. they pushed everything for that first week so it sold x amount the first week week two of it being out it sold two percent of the number of records it did the first week and never went higher than that so the way yeah, that you true. guys are doing it is interesting to think about because it's like, okay, we're going to drop this record. Now for the next year, we're going to focus on it instead of yeah. focusing on it a year in advance and then dropping it and moving on to the next thing. So this is going to be really interesting because I think, I really do think other people are going to look at this and be like, yeah, you know, you, should you, just, you just have to have a little bit of courage because you might risk a good charts position. In this case, we had a good charts week, not so many big releases, and 
we underestimated sorry our fans because they were like so fucking crazy about it they went more crazy than we ever thought so that's why we went number number one but if if you're not that lucky but if you're going the same way you might risk the higher positions Mm -hmm. in the beginning but i think one and a half year later yeah and a half years later it's all going to be cool but you have to sacrifice all those spotify singles but there's a workaround for that and that's very easy you just release a single edit of the same song yeah and this is why we released a single edit for the playlist of leave your hate in the comments it's not four and a half minutes it's three now like in two weeks or something we're going to release a single edit of another song uh, and that way you're gonna be pitched to playlists again. That's yeah. so hard. even for even for that, there's a workaround. We didn't know if it if it if it would work with Spotify, yeah. but if you change enough about the song, not just I don't know, cutting off a, a reverb tail at the end for three seconds, but if you really have like a different length of a song, maybe a different intro outro kind of thing. It's, it's working. And for the fans, it might be even interesting because I was a kind of fan back then. I loved those single edits and those yeah. extended edits and blah, blah. I, I loved that. So I had like more versions of the same song and could more like get into the mind of the artist. What was the artist thinking? Why did they, I don't know, make that version shorter that way? Yeah. Why not that way? And so on. So. That's why I, I really love, uh, like, I fell in love with Nine Inch Nails at a young age. And that's why I like a lot of Trent Reznor's work is because there's so many different single edits and remixes and different versions of all the stuff he's ever done that it's so cool to dive into that and see, like... I was his- just going to say, and, and I had, I just told it in a different interview, I had all the three singles of We On This Together because there were, like, three singles yeah. with different bonus tracks and edits. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, you have in America three singles. I need to do it that way. I'm yeah. German. Yeah. We, we, we I, I've gotten used to doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because the first time I ever heard of that, for anybody that's watching on Spotify or listening on Spotify or wherever, we're, we're throwing up the, uh, the three. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to make a hand signal for three. Like when I was oh, younger, yeah, yeah, right. we used to do this. Oh. And then I started doing this. And then the first time I ever saw Inglorious Bastards, the scene where the yeah, guy yeah, gives yeah. himself away by doing this, yeah. um, I, I I asked one of my German friends, I was like, wait, that's that's really a thing? Like when you guys count on your hand, they're like, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. One, when, two, one, two three, three, three. I was four, like, five, oh yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> no, we're dumb. We go like, <laughs> yeah, but no, that's, that's, I've gotten used to, I was joking with the Power Wolf crew when they were like, we're texting in WhatsApp and they're talking about like centigrade and stuff. And they're like, Oh, he doesn't know what we're talking about. I'm like, dude, my whole life revolves around central European time and metric. I'm fine. Like <laughs> I, I, that's, I'm basically a German at this point, dude. Cause, um, but anyways, before we, we, we tail off yeah. on this, um, the album release was fantastic. I love the way you guys decided to do that because in my opinion, that is, one of the things that's happened, I don't know how it is in Europe, but in the U.S. with music business, it, it's it's all about the chart numbers. And sometimes too much is put into that. Like, for example, country music that I worked in forever, they don't care about albums. They care about radio singles. Yeah, so course. it's like I've I've worked for artists that have had like seven number one radio singles in a row but they're still playing mid-sized venues and they're not selling albums and stuff. And it's like, that's cool that you can say you have seven number one U.S. singles, but like, what is that translating into? 
You know what I mean? It's like the record label gets to say that they had another artist with a number one, but what's that really doing for, for your career? You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. But, but it's, it's interesting that it's not just like, like dance music and uh, what do you want? Dance music and hip hop, which is so much into singles. Yeah. But also country music, but it's always been that way with country music because mm -hmm. they, they kind of never got out of the time where it was only about singles, which was the fifties. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it, I think it kind of kind of gets stuck there because back then you couldn't do it any other way because there were just no long players. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Well, with country too, like when a country album comes out, like, and I, again, I spent a lot of time working in country. You've heard every song because it's been released as a single when the album, yeah. it's basically a compilation of singles is what their yeah. album ends up being. But um, on top of everything and with the album too, the next big, why, this is wild to me too. I don't know if this is wild to you, but you guys have been announced as one of the preliminary German picks for Eurovision. And I'm yeah, not going to lie. Have. When I saw that, I was like, wait, what? Like yeah. what did, did you guys? Okay. Because I'm American and I've only known about Eurovision for a couple of years. Did they contact you ahead of time and let you know you're going to be a pick or did you find out when everybody else did? Uh, well, uh, you kind of sent your application there and we mm -hmm. did that, uh, the last years already. We also did the last year, uh, when electric cowboy did it. Oh, okay. And, uh, we, we did it this time. And of course, then you hear back things like they are interested yeah. or not. So, so we knew that they were like basically interested, but, um, it's not, they, they did, they didn't give out the entire information. So we're like, yeah, we, we might be able to do that, but we let you know, but we need to check some things. So can we, can we set up a call with the whole band next week? Because we need to check some things, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't even remember the excuses they came up with, but actually that call where they were like gathering all of us where like all of us on zoom, where the moment they said, Hey, you're in the show. Yeah. So it was a it was a surprise thing because they wanted our surprise reaction to put it online. You can find oh, it okay. online. Yeah. So I, we we really didn't know until that moment. We knew they were interested, and we knew we were like in the kind of inner circle because they, you know, of course there there's some there's some talking before, but they didn't let us know before. So yeah. I mean, you know, for me looking at Eurovision, it, I guess it's kind of a surprise. I'm like super stoked, but I, I guess it's kind of a surprise because a lot, it depends on how countries like approach it because a lot of the times you do get countries that they play it very safe with very like radio friendly things and stuff like that. And you guys are a band that to me has never really, I guess for lack of a better way of putting it, like played that game. You guys aren't conforming to a lot of things. You guys aren't changing your sound or your image to please anybody yeah. or anything like that. Like it is very surprising that... I mean, that you were that pick, but it's yeah, also it really, really cool. And now I think it's March 3rd, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong, yeah, is, is when that next announcement and the preliminaries are like yeah. uh, for for other Americans that are listening and even me myself, I don't fully know how it works. What is the next step for you guys now? There's there's a handful of German bands that are in the preliminaries. What's yeah. the next so, step so from here? So there's some things I need to say. You you will first of all you said like playing it safe. You know, for Germany, playing it safe didn't work out the last time. So they were like the last when few they, times. Yeah, <laughs> whenever they, whenever they said like radio friendly stuff, we we got last or like second mm -hmm. to last. And um, so I I think they kind of recognized that uh, better late than never. 
So um, we might not be better than anyone else, but we're different. We're different yeah. from the things they did the last years. And um, damn it, what, what was your question? What's what is the uh, now that you guys have been preliminary? Oh yeah, chosen, yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah, is yeah, the yeah, next sorry, step sorry. from here, starting on March third? Sorry, and now I know the second thing I wanted to say. <laughs> it, it, it was something I told them was like, hey, uh, if you want us, you need to take us the way we are. Yeah. So and, and right now we're doing this blood and glitter glam rock thing, and we're gonna look like that. We're gonna sound like that. I'm not gonna do this, 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 and that. And they were like, yeah, that's fine with us. You you can stay as you want because. The way for us to stay authentic is that we always just did what we wanted to do, what feels right, because then you never have to be ashamed of what you're doing. So the next steps right now is that there's an online voting for one week or something from uh, February 24th on. Uh, it's going to be geo-blocked, so it's only from pe for people from Germany, so okay. only German IP addresses. And you can vote from yeah each IP address from your mobile, your you know the tablet, whatever. But you need to come from Germany. And then there's a show on March three, and after when all artists, it's gonna be we're nine different artists in the pre prelim preliminary such a hard word <laughs> in the preliminary pre pre preliminary decision show. Yeah. Preliminary decision show. Uh, we're nine artists. Then when all nine artists have played, there's a time window of 15 minutes where you can call for your fave artist. Okay. 20 times max. Also just German numbers because, you know, it's it's a German. Well, there's a so, lot yeah. of Germans that listen to yeah, this yeah. channel and podcast. So Germans that are listening, make sure you get on it. And <laughs> and the third part is like there's an international jury from I don't know how many people from how many countries, but they also have like can throw in points. And then all these things are being collected, like online voting, um, the, the phone calls and the jury. And then, you know, if we are going to Liverpool or not. And if not, then we're just looking forward to a great tour with Iron Maiden. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm while, while we're talking here, I'm just I, searching because I, I got to be honest. I don't even know who the other are. There any groups I would know that are also in the preliminaries for this from Germany? Maybe there's one, uh, one girl. Uh, she's a singer from some kind of folk, medieval. Oh, thing. P Patty Gertie. Yeah, she, yeah. Okay, I I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. She she did a lot with like the guys from Subway to Sally or mm -hmm. Feuerschwanz and so on. Uh, but all the others, um, all right. And then there's like one German Schlager pop singer, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it's it's a very, very German thing. I don't, I'm not even sure if there's an English word for Schlager, uh, which I knew before, but all the others, no, most of them are very, very young. Yeah. So there, there's some singers and I, I really like all of them. It's all great songs. Yeah. And some of them are really just like 21 or something. Oh, so, wow. So when, when I had my first band, they were not even born yet. So yeah, dude. I mean, I remember I think it was last year's cause the, the hype around electric Cowboy for last year's was so big that I actually woke up the morning they were announcing like the preliminaries to watch it. And I was like, I think I've told you about this, but I was, I was really rooting for the guys and I was kind of upset. I was like, wow, they're not even in here. And then there was one group that came up that I remember being like, this sounds like mainstream American Christian rock music. And somebody in my discord, one of the Germans is like, look closer at that video again. And I looked again and it's you. 
<laughs> and I was like, wait, what? So yeah, I was I was playing playing the cello there in this yeah. uh, thing because uh, this song was um, written and produced in my studio. Yeah, yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah. But, but I mean, but that but that's not the reason we are in there this year. So it's not like I had some connection. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't think that I, at all. I, I stayed. Yeah, but some think that. But I I really stayed very much in the background there. I was just helping out the guys because they were like, we we need one person more on stage and i, I yeah. helped a little with the production so i was like yeah i'm just gonna go with you but i really stayed in the background i just didn't 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 even tell one person on site that i'm having a band or something so yeah i mean that's it's it's super cool like i'm i'm so excited for you guys and like the more i think about it too i'm like i, I this could work out like it's Maybe. it's because i think i read before we started this <laughs> Sorry, that, the cat, the cat that, keeps returning. No, I, this is this is this is a different one. So now I have. Oh, you have two. two. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. I, I think I read before we started that six out of the last seven Eurovisions, Germany has either ranked last or second to last. So I was like, yeah, like this could be. I mean, you if you're talking about performance and the visuals and everything, I'm like. Now, one thing I do want to ask you, because I, I must, I might be confused on the rules of Eurovision. I always thought Eurovision had to be like a, a brand new original song that was never released. But you guys are using Blood and Glitter, so obviously that's not true. It was like that for a long time, but it changed a couple of years ago because, oh, like uh, last okay. year, Electric Hall by would have got would have uh, gone to Eurovision with Pump It. Yeah, and that was, was also released. Yeah. Um, they changed it. I don't know when, but yeah. the rule for this year is the song can't be older than September 2022, I guess. Okay. So, yeah. They, so it could they, it, it could have been yeah. released. It just can't be like an old song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it so, needs to be your, your own song. It can't be a cover. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's just say... Uh, you know, March 3rd comes through, you guys get selected. What's the next step from then? Then it's just on to Liverpool and performances. I, I'm, not, I'm not, no, let's, let's not say that. Okay. Let's I not. Can, let's, I'm, I'm more, I'm, yeah, okay. yeah, I, I, I know, I know it's, I don't want to be unpolite, but really I, I don't even allow myself of thinking totally. that way because I, I feel like I'm not, no. It's, no, it's no, like, totally. I, I, I'm, I'm so sure we're not gonna make it. Although, of course, I hope it, but I don't want to jinx it. I was like, no, let's, let's just, yeah, let's ignore. You know what I did? I booked a hotel at the Baltic Sea for the time of Liverpool. Oh no like, way! I was like, I, I'm gonna go on vacation. Yeah, and if for whatever reason we're going to Liverpool, I can cancel the hotel. But I booked a hotel. I'm like, yeah. and so I, I have, I have plans. Right now, I can say I don't even have time for Liverpool. I'm going on vacation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, the the reason I'm asking, honestly, more is uh, not to like hype you up or anything. It's just I, I, an American that's curious about how this works because we did the American Song Contest here this year that was put together by the producers of Eurovision, mm -hmm. and I thought it was so bad. <laughs> like it was, it didn't have the same atmosphere and energy and vibe as Eurovision does. And some of the picks were so interesting. Like every state in U S territory sent in a pick and most of them were unheard of, but you had like Michael Bolton represented uh, uh, Massachusetts, I think. And it was like, 
Macy Gray represented Ohio. And I think Cisco was in there from like DC or something. And I'm like, this is kind of why and none of those artists like made it far. It was all the unknowns that nobody knew that actually made it to like the finals and stuff. But it well, that's was... interesting. I, I, I didn't even know that there is something and it's also produced by the same guys that Eurovision. Do, yeah, it, so. this was the first yeah. year they did it. And it unlike Eurovision, this lasted longer. Like this was a whole it was the whole summer. They wanted a TV mm -hmm. event, so it lasted the yeah, whole summer. But it was like it was very stereotypical. It was like all the southern states were sending in country artists and stuff. And like, you know, there was just we watched a lot of it on my Twitch. And I was just like, this doesn't capture the same spirit that Eurovision has. Like it's it, it, it's very Americanized. It's like Snoop Dogg was the host of it Damn. and stuff like it just didn't have the same vibe at all. So like I think if I remember right. This year is the first year ever that they're actually going to broadcast Eurovision on like regular TV in the states. All right, right, right. okay, okay. So I'm like, I'm like stoked Might about be. that. I, I'm just, I just know it's the biggest uh, TV show in the world besides Super Bowl, which yeah. is kind of wow. So, but really, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying not, not to think about it because yeah, for it, sure, it, it's, it's making me mad. I'm just like. <laughs> Especially because, you know, uh, Eurovision is this semi-playback event. So the music is playback yeah. and the vocals are live, 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 live. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I, I can't trick anything, no autotune, whatever. It's like our rock shows where it's just me doing this stuff. And it's like, wow. So it's, uh, and the song Blood and Glitter, Blood and Glitter. Mm -hmm. I'm starting the song just me alone yeah. before the piano even comes in so i'm having some kind of tuning tone in my ears so mm -hmm. i i i get the right key so i'm not like in the middle of nowhere because i don't have perfect pitch um but that's that's gonna be hard you know i it's not like the show begins and i can be on stage for 10 seconds and kind of get used to it it's like out of the blue it's out of the red it's yeah blood and glitter and there we are it's like wow it's my heart rate right now already just here it's not yeah it's 10 days it's, until then it's like it's, wow. it's interesting for it's interesting i love talking about these tv performances because you're in the music industry you know how it works i'm in the music industry i know how it works but the same thing comes up with the super bowl every year like every mm -hmm. time there's a halftime performance everybody that wants to hate on everything on the internet is like this is tracked. And I'm like, well, of course it is. It's on the biggest stage that's going to be on TV this year. They don't, this is not a hundred percent live. Now you can easily tell when somebody's vocals are actually live in the mix. That's why I thought it was weird that this year Rihanna was the halftime performer and people are like, she's lip syncing. I was like, no, she's in there. There's just a lot of backing tracks with it. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's normal for events like that. And I don't know it, why people make such a big deal about it. Well, the the, the thing why it's just fair uh, for Eurovision is the following. You, right Nowadays, you have many electronic acts. Mm -hmm. So you have like electro artists with vocals maybe. And the typical electro track is nothing you can just reproduce with a couple of instruments. So it's coming from a computer. Yeah. So, and of course, this will and for people out there who don't have a clue about like 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 audio technical things, like it's so much easier to push play on an electro track than to get like thirty microphones on a band with like in our case one and a half drum sets and guitar, bass, and all those signals all together. Compared to the electro track, it's gonna sound much 
less good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's it's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. So I think for Eurovision to make it fair, to you only have like you know music is playback, and then comes the vocals. So you have the same kind of level, the same kind of quality level of the playback, and then you know the singer yeah. is kind kind of the yeah. the person who decides it's then but i think it's just fair yeah for sure i i, I totally agree with that i agree with what you're saying and track the, the whole track thing has been like such a wild debate lately because i will fully admit when i was a teenager and i didn't know how music actually worked i had that mentality i was like oh of if course. you can't if you can't play it live you need a track so you're, you're a bad musician and now that i'm older and i've been in the industry i realize how ignorant i was to it and um, you know, the big debate right now is I don't know if I don't know if it was a big thing in Europe, but, you know, Falling in Reverse had to cancel a show because their track rig and their laptops got sent to the wrong venue. And all these old school metalheads came out of the woodworks and were like, if you can't do a show without your tracks, then you're not a real musician and you're yeah, a piece we, of shit. And, yeah, you know. I, I didn't hear about that, but it's the same for us. We always have this sixth band member. But yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's you know we have a keyboardist on stage but he's only playing things that are actually like something that a human being would do on keys like yeah. piano and organ and blah but all those sound effects and weird electronic uh, beats and whatever are coming from the tracks but the most important thing for us is all this the, the click that we yeah. hear and all yeah. the things it's coming from the track so that's what's keeping everything together and yeah, we can play without the tracks, but since tracks are like, yeah, it's it's our sex it's our sex band member. It's yeah. not just something that comes on top, which is kind of nice. It holds certain elements together. That's the way we work. That's the way we always worked. It would be weird to play it without. So, yeah. yeah, and that's I I think people well one people don't realize that I would estimate. 95% of touring bands are using track rigs. I, I would say it's that high. Um, and then like you brought up click tracks uh, with MIDI technology nowadays too. Like when we used XFX rigs on the road, we programmed all the guitar changes. Yeah. In all it. the guitar changes. Like, sometimes, yeah. sometimes even lights. Yeah. Lights as well. So yeah. I always think that's funny because I even saw people online talking about the whole track thing. And I saw some friends of mine who I know are like diehard Nightwish fans that were totally like, if a band has to use tracks, then they're not a real band. I was like, you realize your favorite band yeah, yeah, yeah. has to you, use tracks. They you, couldn't. You, you, you yeah. listen to that orchestra, that choir. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying anything bad about Nightwish. They're no, fucking great. But you, yeah, but you, you know, you, you need to maybe people understand that better if you would explain to them have for a band which is used to that it would be the same if you would say like hey we don't have a drum set can your drummer maybe just air drum or beatbox or yeah. let's say let's say we don't have a pa there's no speakers but maybe we can play it on an acoustic guitar in a stadium so it's it's the same kind of thing if you yeah. don't have that of course there's always a workaround but it's going to be so different that yeah. it might not going to work in that place where yeah. you yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just I, I I think I think the tracks thing is just that old school mentality from a lot of people because if you look at the history of of, of tracks and playback too, there were bands in the seventies using that like the Who notoriously we, like we, they had to bring out tape decks and stuff but they were using yeah, background tracks. Yeah, Queen were one Queen. of the first bands who really yep. had like like real 
big tape machines like mm -hmm. with these kind of tapes yeah those thick ones on stage was amazing hey listen i i need to go in five minutes i was actually about to wrap this up yeah. because we've we've been doing well we, we, we've been talking nearly two hours what's going on i know Crazy. and and for people that you know you got to think when we do these you're in central european time it's almost midnight there so i'm gonna yeah, let you is. get going all good all so good. but before but, i do let you go i just want to i just again for any of the germans that are listening march 3rd is when the eurovision preliminaries are make sure you get your votes in and check all that out and then as we already talked your latest album blood and glitter also out i actually uh pre-ordered my vinyl last night because i saw that it's available to pre-order now on the web store oh, wow yeah thank you it'll be much. it'll eventually be up here somewhere so great 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 but chris it is Always fantastic talking to you, man. Um, thank you for Thanks. taking the time to do this. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, and and hopefully uh, when you guys do make it to the U.S., like again, let me know if I can be of any help. And uh, that yeah, right, right, right. Now we're, we're we're sorting out things, and it really looks it looks really good for February. So cool. I'd, I'd love to work with you. Yeah, it'd be a blast, dude. I'm I'm like I'm enjoying all these German bands that are coming over and want, want me to come help them out. So let's go, man. But uh again, thank you so very, you very much. much. It is always a pleasure talking to you. I, I hope you have a great rest of the night because I know it's it's way later there for you than it is for me. So it is. Thank you very much. Bye. Awesome. Take care, man. Well, one thing I never thought I'd be discussing on this podcast was um the average male penis size that actually happened in this episode. But uh, this was such a great conversation. And I really want to thank Chris once again for joining us on this because, you know, he's a very intelligent person. And there are a lot of things that come up in conversation that I can even learn from him. And I did in this one, in the case of learning how Spotify and stuff works. I've been in the music industry for years and I had no idea that Spotify only takes non-album singles for playlists. That's kind of crazy. But hearing the stories about, you know, the Iron Maiden tour and meeting those guys and stuff like that is just that's just such cool stuff, man. And, you know, the talks about the marketing for the album was really eye opening, especially with how honest he was saying that, like, some people at the record label were for it and some people were against. It's really cool. But uh, the big thing right now, again, March 3rd, the preliminaries for Germany's entries for Eurovision are going to be kicking off. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, voting should be open for the early voting and ballots and stuff. So again, I will have a link to that stuff in this YouTube video. If you're watching on YouTube, go vote for Lord of the Lost, man. I would love nothing more than to actually see those guys perform at Eurovision. Like, I think it would be awesome. Um, but again, this was a blast, man. I am already trailing off with my mind thinking about all the things I need to pack. I'm like looking around the room as I'm filming this right now um but it'll be interesting because you know a lot of tours i do i'm able to bring my like giant work box and in a bigger suitcase and on this i'm not really doing that i'm packing pretty light so i have to be really kind of frugal with what i'm bringing but make sure i have everything i need but since i need to get back to that i'm gonna wrap this up and get going as a reminder again video versions of this podcast are available on youtube you can go to youtube.com slash tank the tech also available on spotify google apple everywhere else that you want to listen to podcasts i've got merchandise if you want to help support the channel uh i can't even remember the link off the top of my head i'm terrible at this i think it's 
tankthetechmerch.com. But uh, the link for that will be in the description of the YouTube video. And if anybody listening wants to keep up with me while I'm on tour, I do post to Instagram often and I do have other social medias. My handle on most everything online is at tankthetech. But again, you can check the description to this video on YouTube and I'll have all those links and stuff. But until next time, this was episode 22 of the Back Lounge podcast. I've got some other ones lined up, but we won't be able to get to those until I get home from these tour dates. So, man, I'm looking forward to it. I hope that uh, you guys are ready for some stories when I get back. But until our next one, wherever you are in the world, be safe, be kind to each other. And thank you for listening to the Back Lounge podcast.